What's up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. So today with me on the show, I have Gabby Hogan, who's a food scientist. And uh, if you know me and you've been listening to me, you know that I've, I freaking love to eat. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Gabby. Hi, thanks, Rick, for having me. Anytime. So, I mean, we were kind of, we're connected because you're a very good friend of my girlfriend's and she's like, Hey, I'm, I'm dating someone that works for noon. And she gave me all these, this, these free noon things because I, I love to work out and they're delicious and nutritious. And, and I was like, well, that seems like someone I'd want to talk to. Definitely want to talk to someone that has a background in food. And I mean, my first question to you is how did you, how did this become a passion for you? And what kind of drew you into this industry? Um, so I guess in college, I started out as nursing and the nursing program was so competitive at Wazoo. And I was like, I just don't know if this is for me. So I was kind of scrolling through all the other career options I had at Wazoo. And one came up as food science. And I'm like, that's a science? You can do that? Started looking into it and just realizing that the food science world is huge and yet so small. I mean, there's only about six programs in the U.S. that focus on food science, and yet every company needs a food scientist. We're made up of chemists, biologists, psychologists. We kind of do it all. So it was just a fascinating career choice that, you know, and I love food too. I'm the same place as you are, Rick. It's it's an enjoyable experience for me, and why not make a career out of it? Yeah, absolutely. So what kinds of, like, like I guess – what I'm curious about is your date. Like what is a typical day in your, cause I imagine this, I envision it as I'm just sampling stuff 24 seven. Uh, cause I'm, I'm inherently lazy and I just think that, Oh, let me, let me just taste test this. Was is the texture, right? Like I'm sure that's a part of your job, but what kind of walk us through what you do on like a daily basis. Yeah. So in my first job out of school, it was a lot of taste testing. I was working um, for a potato company out in central Washington and while I was doing a lot of day-to-day -day starting out as a um, production supervisor there, a lot of it was based around quality. So whenever we were working with potatoes, every hour you have to test the quality of them. So it's, you know, every hour run to the lab, throw some fries in your mouth, and are they the right texture, the right flavor? Have they been cooked correctly? You know, there's so much more clients than you think there is to potatoes. Oh, um, for sure. So, yeah, that's definitely, I think, the perk. You know, you watch those documentaries on, like, Discovery where they talk about the chicken nugget expert. That's, like, the kind of job I get to do, except mine is was with potatoes at the time. Yeah, well, you know, in your bio a little bit, you said the magic of potatoes. And I was like, what kind of magic are we talking about? Let's see. What what can I think of? I can think of vodka. You make that from potatoes, fries. Mm -hmm mashed potatoes i think you can use potatoes to charge about or something some weird like that that's just popping yeah, in my head yeah. yeah yeah you can light a light bulb with a potato um you can shoot them out of a potato gun i've done that that's pretty cool but i mean what what kind of what what magic am i missing in potatoes it just remind me of uh, forrest gump you know and i always think of this but when bubba's going off about all the things you can do with shrimp mm -hmm. it's all the things you can do with potatoes i mean Every restaurant you can think of has some kind of potato on their menu. 100%. So what was that? Yeah, no, I said 100%. That's a good point. Yeah. It's so versatile and they're they're fairly cheap especially in in COVID, you know, with all the restaurants shut down, they were giving away potatoes for free. It's a staple of every restaurant, every diet and yet you know, it was they needed to produce it and nobody was there to take it, which is so sad. But yeah, you can you can do so much with it. You got fries, you got chips. And that was where my factory focused was mostly on fries. Um, 
and hash browns and tater tots. Ooh, so tater tots. Be, yeah. So pota- uh, tater tots are actually like what people would consider a waste product. Mm. So, so speaking of a potato gun, the way the potatoes are cut is they literally shoot a potato through a pipe with water and mm-hmm. shoot it through knives. So it just like they're pumping potatoes through a knife and they come out in all these kind of shapes. Oh, so that- the edges or the little pieces that get left behind, they get kind of riced up and that's what, what creates a tater tot. You're blowing my fucking mind right now. I'm so pumped. Okay, so tater tots are the waste product. Okay, also I wanted I wanted to address this because that those kale salads and uh, the little baby carrots, um, like uh, the shredded like the big Costco packs of like oh it's a, a mixed kale. So this it, it's it's got kale like a little bit of cabbage. Mm-hmm. Um, brussels sprouts or whatever like that's all in my mind that's just like slack that's waste product of the food that they're figuring out a way to sell am i right in my hypothesis of that i would think so are you talking about like the the slaw kind yeah of? yeah yeah exactly yeah. like the kale slaw or whatever that seems like a waste product that they would use and that's that's also something i wanted to get into is there are a lot of chefs that are trying to minimize the amount of waste i do know demarco pull that up but I'm going to just throw out a number. I think we waste like a hundred million tons of food each year. Oh man, I'm probably way up, but I'm guess I know an absorbent amount of food and there are, you found it. Yeah, I got it. It's 103 million tons of food every year. <clears throat> that's based, million? that's based on a number from uh, the last estimate was from 2018. So probably gone up quite a bit since then. Okay. So yeah, about 103. Well, I was pretty close. I'm pumped about that, but 103 million pounds of food each year and are there people in your segment in your profession that are focused on the minimization of waste and if so do are you aware of like what they're doing to to make that better absolutely i think waste is for me at least it's kind of one of the most important things i see for the future of mankind and how are we going to feed the world when we're throwing away so much food um currently so this wasn't my potato factory but another one Um, And not to get into the controversial world of genetically modified foods, but they have created a potato where all they did was remove um, an enzyme called polyphenol oxidase. So from the Mm -hmm. seed, they removed this enzyme and that's what causes browning. So how many times have you gone to the store and you don't pick up the potato that's a little bit brown or a little bit, it just looks a little funny, right? Mm -hmm. People tend to not pick that up. By the end of the week, that stuff gets thrown away. You'd hope that it gets sent to a food bank, but you know that most of that food's not really going to be going anywhere. So if we can create a food that doesn't brown or doesn't, you know, put people off to buying it, think about how much more we could actually be eating and not throwing away. Absolutely. And I agree with you. Although I do want to, I'm going to point two things out or mention two things just popped in my brain. One, if you see a, a plant that is a little, DeMarco, pull this up. I could be talking to my ass here. But uh, if you see a plant that looks a little different, it just means it was grown under stress. And it's actually the most, it's a more nutrient plant, like because it had the stress. It's like, it's like grapes that you make wine out of if the if the if the plant is a little bit more stressed it's going to make better wine uh vegetables are a little bit more stressed or look a little funky they're going to be more nutritious um but i could be wrong there pull that up to marco uh and then the second thing i forgot but it'll come back to me Uh, (laughs) sorry for interrupting you but um where were we We were talking about waste oh genetically gmos there we go and gmos I think virtually every single food 
that we consume has been genetically modified. If you were to go back 30,000, you know, let's say, let's say a thousand years ago and look at an apple, it would look completely different. You wouldn't recognize it. The same with the berries, same with strawberries, right? Like every single thing that you see, bananas too. The, the bananas they had in the mm-hmm. 1920s are not even in, in existence anymore. They're not even in existence. They were, yeah, they were tiny and they were, I heard they were delicious. Also, there are, there's a, for, there's a variety of pink banana that grows in the Philippines that blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that existed either, but, um, I'm ranting, sorry. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I don't I don't see the issue with GMOs. It's like in our society, it seems like everyone's like, oh, pro-science, pro-science. But then everybody gets a little wonky with with like foods. And I don't necessarily understand why, because the way I see it, like virtually core, every single thing has been genetically modified. There's just no way of getting around it. Go ahead, DeMarco. Uh, so I can't find any specific numbers, like you were talking about, if plants react better when they're under stress and how it pertains to their nutrients. But I did find a couple of studies, um, <clears throat> one from a group of Chinese scientists, and then I'm not sure where this one is from, but this was published in 2017 uh, Pun- from Poonam. So I, th- I believe that's in India, uh, that... It says that water stresses specifically inversely affect a plant, but it doesn't say anything about just like envi- other environmental stresses, how it pertains to the nutrients. But it does say that it has adverse effects. So I'm going to guess probably not the best. I think that there was a study on pesticides to where if they sprayed them with a little bit of pesticides or whatever, that they ended up being strong. They ended up growing i'll look more. to see if i can find anything about pesticides Let's see if you can find that study this is in the deep recesses of my mind though so i'm not sure if i'm right find a lot there. <laughs> but yeah <laughs> it probably like searching through that probably um, so. yeah so i'm not i'm not a farmer so i don't know like the ins and outs of specifically how you know when plants grow what kind of stressors they go through and how it inversely affects them i do know touting uh, potatoes because i just think they're a magical product out there um, genetically modified potatoes have been created to hold more water so that while they're growing, you know, with minimal rain, they can intake that water and hold on to it so that they can self-hydrate through like a dry season. So those were kind of modified to do that. And think about how beneficial that can be in countries that experience a lot of drought, that have trouble accessing water. They can grow potatoes that need less water and hold on to it so it's more nutritive. Mm-hmm. for um you know people who have trouble getting water in their diet so some really cool things you you can do there with with gmos just from that way of removing something it's not you know and what you were kind of mentioning about thousands of years we've been changing food this whole time to be to taste better to taste different to be bigger to yield more crops i mean yes and no i would say that they're modified but in a way of more like crossbreeding yeah. So you put one strain of wheat next to another, they will grow a third strain of wheat that's what's stronger and will withstand a lot more. It might have thicker leaves, taste better. That's where our bananas come from. Same thing with corn, just like you said. So yeah, that's that's been happening forever. Um, with what most people consider who understand GMOs would consider genetically modified would be the sense of from a cellular level, adding or removing something. Um, the typical picture that people against GMOs would use as a tomato that's got like a syringe sticking out of it and it makes it seem like it's some chemical that they're putting into this food. And and that's not the case. Um, So there's only like nine to 11 crops right now that are actually, especially in the U.S., that are genetically modified. I have them here because I always forget, but it's corn, soy, cotton, um, potatoes, 
summer squash, canola, alfalfa, apple, and sugar beet. So that's those are the only crops that are are genetically modified right now. Really? Mm-hmm. What would be do Do you know if they're having plans to genetically modify any other plants that they're going to add to that list? Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure like companies like Monsanto are always working on that. That's true. What are are your thoughts on Monsanto? Because like uh, that's a complicated question. Because I've you know I'm pretty sure they're the devil, but then again, we won't. We're not going to turn this into. Demarco just smiled. We're not turning this into bummer cast. But well, yeah. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on Monsanto? You know, I've I've looked at it from both sides, from the farmer and from the consumer. (laughs) So where it kind of gets hairy is Monsanto is very secretive about you know, they, they very strongly protect what they have. So when they sell a genetically modified seed, mm-hmm. the farmer uses that and that farmer, like a crow comes down, picks up a seed and takes it somewhere else. And it, that crop grows somewhere else. They can get in trouble because Monsanto has it like trademarked. And yep. It's that. patented and all that bullshit. Yeah. Exactly. Which I think is a little crazy because there's mm-hmm. so many environmental factors that a farmer can't just sit there and throw stones at every crow that comes by to make sure that doesn't happen. But it is important to protect GMO crops from non-GMO crops just so we know where, where things are growing. Yes. So in my opinion, a genetically modified food from like a cellular level where something is added or removed is not inherently bad. I don't believe that when we eat it, it's changing our cells inside our body. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty much the same thing that cross breeding has been doing this whole time. But when, what Monsanto does is they create um, genetically modified crops that can withstand things like roundup Mm -hmm. so that farmers can spray as much roundup as they want it'll kill all the bugs and then the the plant will be fine which pesticides i don't think anybody would inherently choose they want to have pesticides i don't think anybody wants that but it it is necessary in some so like what i learned from my first company when i started is that if you look at the 1950s to now in the 1950s, um, we, uh, whatever population of people we had, we had all of this land that could be farmed. Mm-hmm. Since then, we have 3.5 times as many people in the world, and we've lost a third of farmable land. And some of that is because we've just become more efficient with farming, but it's also a lot of, you know, kids inherit a farm and they don't, they don't want to be farmers in our generation, so they mm-hmm. turn it into a hotel or they sell it off. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot less farmable land, so we need to become more creative and have crops that can yield a lot more, that don't get damaged by pests. Mm-hmm. But then there's the problem of like bee colony collapse, and it's just it's a very complicated thing. <laughs> I don't think there's an ever perfect answer. No, no, definitely not. But I'm sorry. So, um, we we tend to on this podcast, we sometimes we just go down this like bummer like alley and that's why i'm giggling it always seems to come here but we got here relatively fast what i mean (laughs) no 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 not at all this is this is rick's mind it's it's it can be a dark place um but um i mean now that you're you're pointing this out it's like i mean the need for genetically modified plants is it's something that has to be done. And also like, I mean, I worry about the soil degradation too. Now that, you know, we have, what, what did you, what was the number you gave with a farmable land? We have a third less now. Yeah. 
So yeah, we have a third less farmable land and then our soil degradation continues to get worse. So we have to figure out ways to deal with this so we can feed everybody. Mm-hmm. Again, Fuck. fixing waste though, making tater tots, making slaw. Mm-hmm. That, that's amazing. That's fixing this. And some guy who was a genius enough to say, hey, let's turn this into a tater tot was a billionaire. Oh, 100%. And then what? Oh, go ahead. Oh, DeMarco? Uh, so about the topsoil, the, the number is that according to the UN uh, Food and Agriculture Organization, we have roughly 60 years of farmable topsoil left at the current rates of erosion. So it always so it's I- always a bummer cast. It is. I was not the bummer on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's Demarco. He's always the harbinger of doom. Um, but um, I mean, you know, Gabby, I do have a business idea. We could figure out how to make soil, and we'd be million billionaires. Let's do it. I don't know. I don't know the first thing about that though. I'm in. Let's do it. Solve the solve the world. We could take plastic, all the plastic, and convert that into soil somehow. That's the future. Yeah. That sounds ridiculous. It is. It sounds like it can work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in, in terms of like the study of like what you, you were in the potato industry, mm-hmm. like as you get further into your career, where do you think, where do you want to end up? Like what's your kind of dream scenario? And you're, you're working for noon right now, correct? Mm-hmm. Which is, that's a, I mean, they have fabulous products. You're not just saying that, right? No, I love them. I love them. It's uh, and you actually t- t- tell the tell the listeners a little bit about Noon. Yeah, so Noon is a hydration company. We make effervescent tablets and powders that originally were geared for um, athletes and anybody who who partakes in, in sports or exercise. But we've really expanded our growth to everyday hydration. Water doesn't just cut it, you know, especially within your diet and having to add all these vitamins and supplements having it within an absorbable vector like a tablet in your water. It's just a way, like our, our mission is to get people to move more and get people excited to drink water. It's not, we don't want people to be like, oh, I have to drink my eight waters a day. We want it to be, oh my gosh, I get to drink all these these fun flavors and I get to feel better. Exactly. So, yeah. Pro tip, they're also good if you're hungover. But I okay. mean, I, I wouldn't know by experience, but I just, I've heard that they're really helpful with that too. They're also really good if you mix it in martinis. <gasps> Gabby. Nice. We, them, we have a martinis. We have Nunaritas. Like Nunaritas. <laughs> Nuna we have a whole online. Like, we, we have no shame. We, we go for it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I like Noon. I, I definitely, I, I've used it several times after a pretty grueling workout. I, I've done what, 275 hards and Noon has been right there. So uh huge fan. But anyways, back, like where, yeah, where do you envision kind of, where do you want to end up within the food industry? So currently I'm kind of in a, a combined role of quality and research and development. Oh, Yeah, my dream, and I think this is most of the dream of people who go through this career path of getting a food science degree want to be in research and development because mm-hmm. it's just you get to create you get, I mean, you have parameters, but you get to make fun foods. Like do you remember as a kid when they have like purple ketchup and green ketchup? And like, oh, hell yeah. It was that. weird. Yeah. Like it was weird, but it was fun. You can't tell me that people were not having fun with that. Yeah, absolutely. So what, like what, I'm so ignorant to all of this. Like what kinds of like, we, the tater tot was a banging example, but I'm trying to think of like what other 
foods haven't always been there like what like the fringe the fringe end of this like what's coming like what do you think's coming in the future of food oh man i well time out lab lab we have did a podcast lab grown meat Mm. that's an interesting one i i haven't i haven't picked a side on that one yet oh it is you know i love animals it'd be nice if we you know, didn't have to eat animals, but at the same time, they provide a lot of nutrients that we need in our diet. We're, mm-hmm. we're cavemen, like it happens. Um, I've never tried it. I've been curious to try it. I've um, never tried lab grown meat either. Or like um, plant fish. I just heard about that one recently. Wait, what the plant fuck? Fish. Pl- what? Yeah, I, I don't, I think it's from seaweed, but they, they're making tuna out of it and salmon. They're making plant-based fish. They're making plant-based everything. You gotta, I, Demarco. You're gonna have to read that to me. I'm I'm deep in thought right now. Oh, no worries. Here it's uh here it is. It's well this particular link. It's just ten vegan seafood brands. That like, there's one called Good Catch Seafood. It's all vegan, non-GMO. Uh, and it's a six legume protein blend. So wow. there you go. So, it seems totally doable. So they're making plant. What do you have any idea what the process is on this, Gabby? Like what? Um, I don't. I haven't looked into it personally, but it might be like fermentation. It might just be playing around with some textures and some flavors until they taste like tuna, which sounds disgusting to me. But yeah, if, if you eventually get to that taste, then great. Um, you might enjoy this. So um, Oregon State University has a food science program. Yep, very aware of it. A bio, bio or ocean type program there. Mm-hmm. They found a strain of seaweed that tastes like bacon. I did. He- I, I do remember hearing. We'll put that in the show notes as well. I do remember hearing that. Did they find it or like invent it? I think that they found it and were able to cook it in a way that like once they cooked it, that like bacon taste came out of it i don't think they modified it at all i think they just oh. ate it and i don't I don't know why were they were eating it but <laughs> it worked out for them yeah no demarco demarco will, will he'll find that for oh, us i, I already found it it's okay. uh it's it's a certain it's a type of, it's called uh i'm not sure if it's pronounced dulce or dulce it's a type of wild uh sea, seaweed that grows off the coast of the pacific and the atlantic uh, it doesn't say anything about how it's cooked. It's just, it's a nutri. They say it's a superfood with twice, twice the nutritional value of kale. What, dude? Where can I buy this? Uh, you ever lost this tea, you know. <laughs> no idea. They do say that it's, if harvested, it's usually sold for $90 a pound and dried and formed as a cooking ingredient or nutritional supplement. Dang. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's sold for That's 90 I was just thinking that. I was like, 90 <laughs> bucks a pound? What's the labor on this? Get rid of the soil. Market. We're going into seaweed. Exactly. Well, there's, well, nope. Time out. We'll use the seaweed to fund the soil. Mm. We'll have two businesses and then we'll figure out a way to farm the so, the seaweed right and we'll and then yeah. and then with the x ex, with the excess we'll invest into soil production we're and then we're billionaires and we'll create a monopoly we'll I mean, patent it's it. it'll uh, bring life to soil yeah 
Yeah, and then we we market it. We market it to the vegans as a bacon alternative, and it and if it tastes exactly like bacon, you know, then so we have that angle. We have it's it's twice as nutritious as kale, so it's a superfood, obviously. And then it'll be our 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 whatever our seaweed farm will be uh, organ till certified, certified organic as well. So we'll sell it for like one hundred and twenty bucks a pound. Yeah, get all the certifications. We have to. Absolutely. Listen, honestly, we probably shouldn't even be talking about this on air. I feel bad about it. So this don't take my idea, please. (laughs) DeMarco, we're not releasing this episode. Let's we've all formed a corporation here. Um, but brainstorm. Exactly. Exactly. That that is so we've got we've I've so far learned about bacon, seaweed, and uh vegetable fish or veggie fish or whatever, like plant-based fish. That's the word I'm looking for. What else you got for me? I am, I'm, this is crazy. Yeah. So going back to the whole like non-GMO organic, everything like that. I think that like in the nineties, it was like fair game. Everybody was trying everything. Didn't matter what you put in your mouth. I feel like now with conscious consumers who care a lot about what they're eating. I think it's a little bit harder for us to get creative, but in a way it's more fun because when you have these guardrails, you have to think outside the box to, to fit in them. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to find new flavors that are that are plant-based versus, oh, this tastes amazing, but like Gatorade. Do you know yeah. what flavor blue is? It's, it's just blue, it's not, I don't, I don't even know what it tastes like, it just tastes blue. Yeah, exactly. People are kind of trying to get away from that, so. Sometimes I wish that I was a little bit older so that I could have gotten it on the 90s lunchable craze of getting to actually create those or like the, the ketchup, even though that was a flop. Mm-hmm. What, what about yeah, the lunchables craze? Like what what do you mean when you say that? Um, I mean just remembering all the crazy commercials like on Nickelodeon. It seemed like every year they came out with a new, you know, pizza was obviously the best. But there was a year they came out with the hot dog and hamburger one, which now that I think about that, that is kind of gross. But yeah. it was really fun to get to like cater to children. Whereas I feel like now we have to cater to the parents. It used yeah. to be about grab the child's attention. Mm-hmm. And now parents are like, I don't, I don't give a crap what you want. I'm going to buy you what I'm going to get you. So. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, lunch. I mean, I can, lunchables were delicious. I never was allowed to really get them, but sometimes at school I'd trade for them. Oh yeah. You know. Did you but- trade for them? Well, it's a good question. Um, it would have to be, I would have to, generally it would cost me my sandwich and one of those uh, those pudding things. Yeah, yeah, the little snack packs. And I, I always got the one with the three flavors. And then if I really was, like my mom really loved me, she'd give me some motherfucking fruit roll-ups, right? And I would just, oh, yeah. I would just trade. And I probably shouldn't have been grabbing it. Huh? Did you ever have? The ones with the tongue tattoos? Oh no! What they had one with tongue tattoos? What? No, I I, I might have. Oh no, this... yeah, no, it was a fruit roll up, and they had um little like tattoos on them. You press them on your tongue. Oh no, no, I don't oh, think I, I ever got those. those. You gotta go get some. Yeah, I got it. You know, you know what? Other little uh, candy was our lunch. Fucking gushers. Mm-hmm. I loved those Gushers. Those were the weirdest commercials, but they were delicious. I don't even, I, I don't even remember the, the Gushers were great. Uh, what other little? I mean, honestly, I look back at the the things I ate for lunch. It was terrible. So I don't, I don't know how I don't, don't like. I have all my teeth still. So I used to love yeah. candies. 
the Rice Krispies and Ooh. the Airheads. Oh, Air! Oh, I forgot about Airheads. Mm-hmm. I used to trade those in school. I'd go and get them super cheap and sell them at school. Oh my, you're little nice. You were in the business of selling. Yeah, I never got. I never went. I was never that entrepreneurial when I was a kid. Well, it's for fake money in sixth grade. But. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's I for, I forgot nutter butters those were another hawk also now I have a question since you you know you yeah. did you do you remember the yo yo craze the yo yo like, like the toy yeah 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 they they came back and they had the, they had the ones with the brains in them and you could sleep them and like do you know you walk the dog yeah. do cradle cradle the baby and all that shit I think my brother had one that lit up it would do I all had- these crazy light shows when you moved in. I had what's what's that, Demarco? Oh, I was just gonna add. In uh, middle school, uh, I started a uh, black market trade for muffins because no one ever wanted their muffins. You know, like the school school <laughs> breakfast or whatever. Ooh. No one ever wanted their muffins, so I just would be like, "Yo, who doesn't want their muffins?" They give them to me, and then I just start trading people muffins and just do like the paperclip to a Ferrari thing with muffins. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. You're a genius. Yeah, it would be fun to go back to school. I mean, not really, but like <laughs> with the minds we have now, and just like, dude, I'm, I'm not taking any prisoners. I'm taking everything for lunch, you know. Um, so, have you have you thought about um, getting into viticulture at all? I mean, you you may have missed the wine boom of like ten years ago, but I would imagine that's still kind of a lucrative uh, avenue to go to as a food scientist. Yeah. Um, I did take a wine microbiology class. Okay. And that was fantastic because I'm, I'm the nerd with the science stuff. So microbiology is probably my favorite science, that and food chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting to learn the background of um, how, how wine is made and the different strains of bacteria that help create wine and everything that goes into it. And at the same time, I didn't get to take the class where you actually get to make it, mm. which was fun. Um, it's definitely booming up here in Washington still. Uh, Walla Walla is becoming the new like Sonoma Valley. Oh yeah, the, because of the soil, they have that volcanic soil. That there's a lot of um, diseases going on in Sonoma that's kind of destroying the grapes, and the wildfires have been pretty bad. If there's a wildfire, um, but kind of like you were saying, the stressors of the environment, um, wildfire smoke. The minute that it gets within the air that the the plants are breathing it kind of ruins them. They can no longer be used for wine. So oftentimes when there's a wildfire coming, they just, whatever stage the grapes are at, they pick them all because otherwise they can't use them for wine. Why is that? I mean, my, my immediate thought is because the, it, the wine would be smoky, but like, I, like, why is that? I believe it has to do with just cutting off the oxygen. Oh man. So it just doesn't taste right. It might really? have the process of, of, you know, becoming wine somehow. This is so good. Yeah. This is my ego is like, well, there's gotta be a way they're, they're probably missing out on making the best wine ever. But yeah, I don't know shit about this. It's just pure, purely ego. Me thinking like there's a, where there's a will, there's a way, but I had no idea that as soon as there's a wildfire and it's the smokes heading towards the plants, they just, they harvest the grapes. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Wow. Like, um, have you heard of ice wine? Pardon? Grapes. It's grapes made from like frozen, or sorry, it's wine made from frozen grapes, but there's a certain way you have to do it. It's not just freezing the grapes and then throwing them in, but they mm-hmm. like get the frost, the chill that they have in the morning, mm-hmm. and then they harvest them at that point 
and it creates a very delicious wine apparently i i can't drink wine but it's it's delicious i hear but there's oh. a certain way to do it and a lot of people cut corners to make it they call it an ice wine but it's it's not Okay. No, I've never heard of ice wine at all. I wasn't even aware that was part of the process. I'm kind of an idiot when it comes to wine, to be honest. But, oh, and I also have to ask, why why, uh, why aren't you able to drink wine? Are you allergic? Um, You know, I don't know. I drank in college, and then as I got older, I no longer can handle any kind of alcohol. Um, I got my gallbladder taken out like eight or ten years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. Ever since then, I really haven't been able to drink. I have no idea what that connection is, but just like, does it just like make you sick? Yes. I like, especially beer, the minute I drink it, like two sips and I'm in the bathroom throwing up. Oh. So everybody's I mean, like, oh, like everybody throws up when they drink. And I'm like, no. Like, no, 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 not at all. Me out. Um, I had tequila at my, at like a massive margarita at my cousin's graduation. I got, I drank way too much of it, but I was just like stabbing stomach pains for like several days. It's just, it's not worth it. No, it's definitely not worth it. I mean, I, I mean, in my family's eyes that I can't handle my tequila. (laughs) I, I, I hear you. I, I, I once thought I was allergic to alcohol. It ended up being poison oak. And um, yeah, I was, yeah, well, it's a long story, but I'll tell it to you. So I woke up just, scratching my arm and I was like in ecstasy and I was like, man, this bug bite is awful. And I walked and then in my face, so it felt like I had hives, right? Like my face just mm-hmm. started itching and, I, and I, 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 I walk into the bathroom, my face is swollen. I was like, I think, I, and I had some beers that night and I was like, I think I'm allergic to beer. Like, the, and I got excited. I was like, I'm never going to drink beer again. Like I'm going to get, the road to getting shredded is going to be so much easier. I'm done drinking. Yeah, like, yes, exactly. Yeah. And then I went to the doctor and he's like, you have poison oak. And I was like, fuck. Did you like go hiking that day or something? Yeah, I was, uh, I was, on a, I was, I was hunting with my friends and we oh. had descended into this Canyon after this bear. And, uh, I missed. And, um, <laughs> It was just like this, this, like we're, we, we walked down like 700 feet and then we followed this, like went down to this Creek to like walk it, walk, walk it out. And then, um, there was supposed to be a road to the left. The road was not there. And so we had like, we're in this, the Creek bottoms we're filling up our water and shit. And I, I must've got it down there. Um, and then we ended up walking up back up 700 feet and there was like a bunch of, um, like down lumber and shit. And like pretty soon we realized we were walking like four or five feet off the ground, just on a bunch of this, this down lumber. So we continue up to, to get uh, away from where the, they'd done the logging. And then my friend got bit by a tick at this point, I'm severely like dehydrated. My legs are starting to cramp. We get to the top, I'm dying. And, um, uh, my legs cramped all the way back. Like when we were at the top of this, it had two miles to get to the truck and it was terrible. I mean, it was, it was at that moment that I realized like I definitely wasn't invincible and that like, if we were any further out, cause when, when I do go hunting, like sometimes we get out 10 miles away from camp and I'm just fortunate. We were only like four or five miles away from camp and we had two miles. Once we hit the logging road, it was terrible. That sounds awful. It wasn't I fun. Time to remember, though. Oh, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. 
I'll never forget it. I'll ne- I learned a lot of lessons. Number one, you know, don't 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 party that much. You know, this is a few years ago. Don't party that much if you're going to go hunting the night before, because you never know what you're going to experience. You just yeah. don't know. So you need to be sharp, hydrated, and ready to rock. The hangover. Yeah. I did start bringing noons with me on my little expeditions, and uh, I hear pickle juice helps too, and bananas and all that stuff. But I don't, I don't know, I don't drink as much as I, as I used to. I used to, I used to really. We're not as young as we once were. Yeah, I know. We're getting old. Should I turn thirty this uh, past right. year? Mm-hmm. Eat, right? Yeah, la- last. Thank you. It's been. It's, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm still a young man. I kind of hate people. Oh, man, I feel 30 so old or I feel, so, no, I feel better than I've ever felt. With peace and at, love, with peace and love, Rick, you're the oldest 29 year old I've ever met. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> um, but no, I feel great. I've, I'm in the best shape of my life. Uh, and I think I've taken a lot of the lessons from my 20s and all that craziness. And it's, uh, it's nice getting older. So I just entered my prime, you know, this is the new 20, you know, I feel like our parents generation, it was, Oh, if you're not married with five kids by the time you're 25, what are you doing? Yeah. Your twenties to make all your mistakes. And by 30, you get to enjoy what you've learned. I think so. I definitely think so. I'm, I'm, and I mean, we're all living longer too. And it's harder to, I mean, shit, it's almost, it's not impossible to buy a house, but it's very difficult right now, especially where we live. Like yeah. I'm hearing people paying over 50, sometimes a hundred thousand over asking price and minimum like $25,000 over asking price, which oh, yeah. is insane. And I'm not about to do that. Cause I think that we're looking at another 2008 very, very soon. So I'm going to hold out. And wait till it crashes. And instead of buying one house, I'll buy two. There you go. You know? um, I'm considering moving back to, I'm not really, but all my family's in Kansas and I could buy a house right now. I know my, you know, it's funny you say that one of my good friends just bought a house in Iowa and I, he paid for, I mean, it's probably, you know, 2000 square feet, maybe 1875, somewhere around there, three stories, you know, under $200,000. It's in Des Moines, Iowa, but hmm? yeah, there's not there's not much going on there. But no, there there isn't. But I mean, you know, I've I don't look at a home the same way a lot of people do. I I look at a home as a liability and not an asset because mm-hmm. it doesn't put money into your pocket. It takes money out of it. And so if it has many doors, that's something that I would want to own. I like the Grant Cardone way of thinking. And if it has one, that might be something you rent. Now, there's Warren Buffett says that, you know, his when he bought his house, he's like, I would have made way more money in the stock market because it's a different investment. I have a lot of memories in the house to raise my family in that house. That means something to me. So that's the other side of things. So, you know, it's tough. But I'm not in any hurry to buy a house. Plus, that's I mean, that's also a giant responsibility. That's something you're locked into. That's 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 a mortgage that you're legally obligated to pay or your life's fucked. If they pull that from your credit screwed and and Mm -hmm. it's 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 um it's a trap. You know, I think it's a it's a bit of a trap because I'm a creative person. I want to explore different creative avenues. 
And I would like the ability to, if I have to, like live out of a van for a while to, while I'm chasing some ridiculous dream instead of having to feel locked down into this career path or whatever that I'm on where that's, I mean, it's so easy in our society to get stuck doing something that you're not passionate about. And I just feel like a house is, is a quick Avenue to that. Right. I mean, absolutely. long convoluted story, but yeah, I mean, if you want to be, if, if you, if I wanted to just one day be like, you know what? I don't want to be a freight broker anymore. I want to, I want to, run around with wild horses and paint them while naked. I could do that. I don't have any responsibilities, generally speaking, but I'm not going to, but you, you know. It's nice to know you can. Though. Hmm? And it's nice to know you can, that you can just get up and go. Exactly. Like right now I'm on a month lease and it's so freeing. Like if I'm looking for a new place, it's okay. I, I just decide to go. It's not like, oh my gosh, I got to get into a new lease on this date. Or, oh, I got to sell my house and do all of these renovations before it sells. It's, I feel free. You're, you're more free than I am. I just signed a lease. So I'm, I'm locked in my place for a year. But um, I, I, I don't know. I like where I live. And I plan on potentially moving out of the state in, in a year. Although uh, there's a, I got a buddy named Ron. That, I feel like he's trying to talk me out of moving to New Mexico. I just I get emails about murders that are going on there and all sorts of crazy shit. I'm like, well, you just said it was beautiful, brother. Like, what are we talking? What are you doing here? You're confusing me. Um, but no, I... I'm I'm looking around uh, Talus slash uh, Santa Fe area. It's Taos. Um, I Taos, I Taos, New Mexico. Yeah, Taos. Thank you. You should learn how to say it if you want to move there, bud. Hey, I'm not a local yet, you motherfucker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for correcting me, though, Demarco. Um, but no, I um, yeah, it's I just I I think it's important to. I've lived, I've lived in Europe. But it's been a while since I've roamed and lived anywhere else other than Oregon. And I think it's important for me to be around a different culture, a different, you know, a di I mean, New Mexico, is, it's still America, but it's a di it's a it has a different ethos, right? A different value system, different politics, different, different problems. And it's something that I want to experience. Like, I mean, that's going to force me to get better at Spanish. It's going to force me. There's going to be a cuisine there. You know, I just, I would like to experience something different than the Pacific Northwest for a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. Sometimes I want to move back to Canada. I was born there and all of my family is there. We just, we never leave. I'm pretty much related to half the state. <laughs> it makes it hard to date, honestly. <laughs> you know, it's just like, wow, I could, I could have a house if I wanted to. I could have land. I could do so much more with my, my money would go farther. I mean, obviously I would make less. But then I look at like I'm looking outside and it's, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's going to be it's freaking hot this weekend. But, you know, it's being so close to the water and the mountains and, you know, the eastern part of the state gets your desert and mm -hmm. the Midwest feel. But, yeah, I do want to. I've never been to the East Coast. I've never been to Europe. I feel like there's so much more out there. Like, I love it here, but I don't think it. I, I meant to be here my whole life. I, what you, I, I really do want to echo that because I feel that statement so hard. And, and, and to everyone listening, Oregon and Washington are shitty states. Don't come here. They're terrible. The crime's Rain bad. Yeah, exactly. But I, anyway, <laughs> back to what I'm saying, like, 
when I was in Des Moines, I was like, this is a really clean city. Didn't see any homeless. Like it, it the, you know, it's, it seemed nice. And then when I flew in and I got outside and I'm driving and I see it's beautiful. I see this giant mountain just like just staring at me when I left, got, you know, pulling away from PDX and I went to the coast the next day and I was like, yeah, fuck the Midwest. Like I'm not trying to live there at all. No way. But that was the one day year wasn't um, raining. So yeah. it's been terrible. And now it's a hundred, it's going to be 115. You uh, Listen folks, you don't want to be here. It's a terrible place. We're no, moving. See, it's not worth it. Exactly. Cause we're moving Gabby. 100%. I think we've talked our, each other into this. You you might but I don't know I don't know about Kansas. I mean what is there like any part of that state where there's still a lot of like a large like park where there's a prairie or anything? By chance? Well, All there's a lot of very rural. There if that's true. I've driven through Kansas and I'm going to be honest, there's is there's a weird type of people from Kansas. Like it's a mixture between like cowboy and farmer I've never seen before. It's this weird hybrid. I don't know what we would call them. That's just where I was, but I don't even know what, where I was, but it was a very strange place. Yeah, I would say it's, it is kind of like a mix of the South a little bit in there too. You've got, you know, really delicious foods there, comfort foods. People are generally really friendly. Granted, the people I run into are my family and people that know my family. So of mm. course they're nice to me, but um, there's not a lot to do around there. Everybody works really hard because they do things for themselves, you know, but they also help their neighbor They're It's very different than the vibe you get in, you know, the Seattle freeze out here where people don't really talk to you or look at you. Mm. Sometimes when I don't want to talk to people, that's great. I'm glad I don't have to talk to people in the grocery store, but in Kansas, you kind of have to talk to everyone around you. Yeah. The South is kind of like that too. I, I, I like the go to the grocery store or go to the, like, you know, the post office and spend like 20 minutes talking to, you know, the lady. But if that was literally, instead of just like an occasional trip to the South, like literally every day, I would be so much more exhausted than I already am by talking to people. Mm-hmm. That's why they all live so far away from each other. They get their <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say the sunsets in Kansas are incredible. Really? Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things is, you know, it's super hot and humid. I used to be able to run around in that as a child, and now I can't be outside for more than like five minutes. I've gotten weak. <laughs> sun sets and it's really hot and humid. Like their main crop is wheat. That wheat kind of smells like bread when it bakes in the sun. Ooh, it's an amazing smell at night. These beautiful, like so colorful sunsets. And like I love my sunsets over the water, but mm-hmm. this is something else. And at night, I'm sure if you drove through Kansas, I can't remember the name of the highway, but there's only one and it goes directly to the state. There's mm-hmm. no turns, no curves, which to me is, I don't know how. I'm used to going up and down, side to side. Yeah. Uh, but the stars is yes. thing when you look up and everything you can see. I don't think there's anywhere in Washington that you can get that good of a view of, of the sky. Well, you got to go, you could, you just got to go east, far way east. east. Yeah, way east. And or Eastern Oregon, and it's um, it's you can see the Milky Way. Like I've been in the the uh, I want to say the Blue Mountains, no, the Eagle Cap Mountains, the Eagle Cap Wilderness, and you could see the guy just the heavens. And and we miss all of that stuff due to light pollution, and it's really sad because when you're looking up at the stars, especially in any rural area, you're just like, 
holy fuck. I am so small. I am nothing. And every light that I see in the sky is a sun. And around that sun are fucking planets. That's crazy. And, you know, we don't see that anymore. Like, I mean, that's the sad part about that's why I'm not the sad. I'm going to make pop frame this positively. That's the good part about getting away into nature and escaping into the middle of nowhere is you reconnect with that primal curiosity and you are very aware that you are very vulnerable and that you are very small and there's something it's a, it's a kind of a spiritual little experience and that's why i value it's why i try and, and try and get out. that's why I, that's a big part of the reason why i started hunting I just wanted to be able to experience that you know yeah it's it's really it, to ground yourself and for me for, well some people might feel like oh i'm just one person on this world with billions of other people i don't matter for me, it's more of a, I'm just one little person here. Any mistake that I make is not as big as I think it is. It's really easy to just go out and like, just reevaluate everything going on, take a break and, and just feel more grounded. I 100% agree. I think that one of the things, one of the major lessons I've learned this year is that not everything is as bad as it seems. And there's always a solution to any of your problems and often that solution comes from within it's mm -hmm. yourself you are your biggest solution you're your biggest asset and just because you think of this like you have a giant problem like it, it, it's really not like in the grand scheme of things you're still alive you're still breathing you still have all you you still have all motor function you know you can still walk you, like you're so blessed and, and hopefully you have people that love you and that's really all that matters at the end of the day. So yeah, that's a, a lot of the, you know, definitely on the, on the same like wave like there, but it's, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to blame someone that doesn't have a lot of character. Cause you are the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. So if someone, the worst thing that's ever happened to you is someone taking away your cell phone, that person doesn't have a lot of character. They don't have a lot of grit because that's the worst thing that's ever happened to them, right? Like, and you look at people that have had terrible things happen to them and had faced a lot of adversity in their life. Like, those are the people that are going to, they're going to be able to see, like, you know, they have a bad day at work and they're, they're the type of person that's going to say, yeah, well, I'm alive, man. Like, and that's, that's good. Um, so it's a good day. You know, I, I have a lot of family that are ex-military and, and you know, they're that way they've seen some shit yeah when you have that perspective it allows you to really like take inventory of the things in your life yeah which is why you should get out and move and try new things put yourself in uncomfortable situations you know in those experiences and those perspectives it doesn't necessarily have to be like oh i moved across the country that was the worst thing i ever did but if it is the worst thing you ever did at least you did it exactly would you have wondered what happened yeah because then that's i mean that that gets that that's really the the greatest question like we're all going to die someday and when you're lying on that bed do you want to be the person that said you know i have a lot of regret i should have taken a swing you know it's too late at that point so don't you know don't wait to take your swing to shoot your shot because tomorrow's not guaranteed. And, and in this life, the only thing that matters is to try and be the best version of yourself humanly possible. You know, that's it. That's it. Be as good as you can fucking be. 
And that's cool. And sometimes it's not, but it is in a way. It really is. It is. And that's, that's the point. That's why I do this podcast is like, if, if it's just making some one person's day brighter than all the effort that DeMarco and I go through to produce this, like that's worth it. And plus I get to talk to inter- interesting people like you, like we do this for us. I do this for me because I, I didn't know a lot of things about food science that I, and I just found out. So I'm getting a little bit smarter from this and I hope that, you know, everyone listening gets a little bit smarter as well. Yeah. There's so much to learn out there. And I guess mm-hmm. that too, through COVID, I feel like a lot of people have reevaluated their lives. Like what, what is truly important to me? What things do I feel like I'm missing out when I'm stuck inside? You know, you spend a whole year thinking, man, I wish I traveled more before they closed the border. Oh, I wish I would have learned more, done more before everything happened. And I hope people are taking that and doing something new with it. I think I'm seeing it. Like every time I go out on the trail, there's about <laughs> a thousand more people than there were to you. <laughs> yeah, that's well, I hate it because <laughs> I can't find a parking spot. I'm glad that a lot more people are taking time for themselves to learn more, do something new. I know it's good that there are people that are uh, more people on a trail. Even I, I share the same thing as you do, the dread. But at least that's going to get those. We're going to have more advocates for the planet and more spaces for us to roam because of that. So there's only good that can come of that. So, and I mean, that's a, I got to say this one last thing. Like, you know, if you're listening, get the fuck up, get out there and kick ass. Be the best version of yourself you can be. Pretend that your life is is a movie and that you're the director and you're the hero of it. You're the star. And see where, where that gets you. Gabby, where can people find you? I mean, do you have, you want to give uh, the socials out or are you more of a private person? Um, my social media is just pictures of my pets and sunsets. So there's really nothing fair there. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's yeah, fair. I'm just saying, it was my first podcast. So maybe ask me in two years and I might have some. Oh, there you go. Well, I, I have. I have no doubt. I look for you to do big things. You know, I hope you invent something dope and then write a book about it and then come on my show and we'll promote it. How about that? Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll say we're doing this together. A hundred percent. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to come on my show. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. Love you. Peace.